TV Drama Podcast. I'm Scott, meaning I'm one, Armani Suits on the Run, and joining me this evening, well, it's two, Air Jordan Shoes for You. He may not be the sharpest cheddar by the deli counter, but he's our favorite hunk of cheese. It's Dan. Hey, Dan, how you doing tonight? Good. I'm, I'm more of a white cheddar, uh, and I, oh. don't wear, I don't wear Jordans because, you know, whatever, I'm not 15, but uh, wow. I'm doing good. Wow. 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 <laughs> Basically just insulted like everybody on the MLB network <laughs> or probably NBA network as well for that matter. All right. But, you know, well, if, if the rhyme had Crocs in it, I would have worked it. I guess I could have made it that. Anyway. I just got some running shoes this week and they weren't Crocs. They were just New Balances and they're very comfortable. There you go. I, hey, I'm a, I'm a New Balance fan, you know. You get to a certain age, it becomes okay. But you know what? I, I've noticed several athletes in their twenties in baseball who are wearing New Balance, and it made me feel better about it. So, as long as you're not, as long as you're not wearing the obvious old man sneakers, you're fine. Nope. Let me get back to the intros. Unfortunately, this would have been the spot where I would have introed our the lady of the STVD, but she is not with us this week. So I have to throw away my plan. You know, three linen shirts for three thing with because it rhymed with Missouri. It would have been eh, she ruined it. So I'll just skip the four. What would have been number four cashmere sweaters out the door. The STVD podcaster who might be the easiest to adore. It's Brian. Hey Brian. Hey guys, how are you doing? I'm adoring you right now, Brian. Yeah, especially now you put your your fancy shades on. And while Dan's doing his Jamie impression by turning his video off, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah the app's running a little weird, so like I can't even see you guys, so I'm like, I can't see any, anything, so I'm just like, fuck it. I may as well turn it off and hope the app doesn't crash. Okay, we, 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 we shall see what happens. Anyhow, we are here to discuss the latest Better Call Saul episode, Nippy, which is the 10th episode of this final 13-episode season. Now, I believe I failed to mention the writer and director of last week's Fun and Games. Really, of all episodes for me to neglect to do that, I, I screwed up with that one. So, quickly, we'll mention that one had been written by Ann Turgis and directed by Michael Morris. This week's episode is directed by the ultimate of Vince vs. Vets, that would be Michelle McLaren, and it was written by Allison Tatlock. Now, I know that I said, and I believe, Brian, I think you chimed in with this as well, we believe that we would at the very least get a full Gene Takovic episode. Now, I had said in the last podcast I thought it would either be the penultimate episode or maybe the one just before that. So, of course, they have to one-up me and make it the one before the one before that. <laughs> However, I was dead wrong about any of the more <clears throat> memorable citizens of the great city of Albuquerque showing up this week, although we did get the return of Jeff the Creepy Cab Driver, even though the role had to be recast. Um, some folks might have noticed that, that the original Jeff the, the Cab Driver was played by longtime character actor Don Harvey. Turns out he was unavailable for the time of the filming because of his role in the HBO series We Own This City. So... You know, he's busy working for the Wire guys, so we couldn't re-up with the other top-tier universe of storytelling. Eh, it's fine. He was recast with actor Pat Healy, who does a fine job himself. 
Although I have to confess, watching the episode play out, I couldn't help but imagine how much more fun it might have been to see the Don Harvey version being put through his paces. Because I just I've seen that actor in so many things. I just I was just imagining it as I was watching uh, Healy do it. Again, he did fine. It's just it's one of those jarring things when you know that's not the right guy. Uh, finally, uh, we also did get a couple solid guest stars. Obviously, we got Carol Burnett as Marion. Marion, who turns out to be Jeff's fun and mildly cantankerous mom, and not an older version of Kim's mom or grandma or great aunt or whatever that we were surmising. Unless it turns out to be a connection we don't know about, I really can't, don't expect that to happen. <laughs> and then I, I was thinking of Dan the moment I saw him on the screen. We also got Jim O'Hare. Um, the Cinnabon-loving head of security at Cottonwood Mall. No stranger to anyone who's a fan of the comedy series Parks and Recreation. Because he's... What is it? Is he, is he Larry? Is he Jerry? Is he... <laughs> yeah, Gary. <laughs> Gary? <laughs> uh, he, I, I loved him in this episode, by the way. I was so happy to see him. Yeah, when he was talking about his wife, I told my mom, who was watching with me, that his wife's Christy Brinkley, and she just looked at me with a blank stare, and I didn't explain it. <laughs> Perfect. Now, with this being a total Gene episode, it meant there was no bouncing back and forth between stories. This is as straightforward as it gets. Um, and actually, Brian, it was funny, the last time I recall doing a, any upper-tier TV drama doing something along these lines... I'm thinking it was that episode of Fargo that we discussed a couple of years back, uh, East West, the one that solely concentrated on the journey of a rabbi and satchel. That one was also told completely in black and white and yep. actually occurred in, you know, right next door to right below next door to Nebraska in uh, Kansas. So it's kind of an odd little coincidence there, I thought. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so without doing any kind of real recap, let's push through the episode with our thoughts in a somewhat linear fashion. So, guys, let's take it from, I'm going to say let's take it from the opening shot of Marin reaching for that can that we see as the episode begins. We go all the way to Gene making that declaration to Jeff about, you know, you want in the game, I will show you the game. And then, you know what? Forget that. Let's go further. Let's take it all the way to his first delivery of the Cinnabons to the security office at the mall. So, like I said, we're pretty much going to be talking about the setup. It feels like I should have some Scott Joplin music playing as I say that, and it points for anybody who gets that reference out there. So I'm going to bounce it to you guys. You know, I don't know who wants to speak first. Someone raise their hand, um, or uh, or if I can see it, actually. I'm, I'm invisible. I can't raise I know. I, I just I real I realized it as I was saying it. You know, what's worse is if I had had that written down. Okay, I make a mistake. Some that's just me saying it, and I blow it. Whatever. Anyway, your thoughts on everything from Marion to the fact that this is a somewhat different gene than we had seen before, and you know any number of other things that pop up throughout this. Um, just and just the fact that this turned out to be a caper, and and how closely we had to watch it to determine what the plan was on more than one level. So, um, actually, so since. Brian, since I feel like I've been neglecting you a little bit right now, uh, would you like to start off and then we can uh, ping pong around the table here? Sure. Uh, I really uh, was excited when it came back from the opening credit, which was jarring uh, in, in a really cool flourish of, uh, you know, which, which probably some people don't get, but, uh, you know, 
uh, I had, I've had a VCR tape get eaten, um, and, and had that sound made and the blue screen of death appear on my TV. Uh, so that was new and kind of neat, uh, a really cool intro. Uh, Carol Burnett was, it was great to see her. It was weird to see her sort of, you know, portrayed as a disabled person cause she's always so vibrant. It was interesting to see her in a runaround, you know, uh, and when we see, when we saw, uh, uh, Gene putting the, the flyers up, my first thought was, does, does he have a dog? <laughs> um, did, did, you know, is there, are we going to learn a lot about his Omaha life? And, you know, sure enough they they waste no time in showing him clip the wires to the scooter. Um, and then a short time later, I love the flip of you wonder what's going on. And then you, you don't see him in the house. You see Jeffy enter the house and hear him. And instantly in my mind, I thought, holy crap, like what's about to happen. And then it, it goes in a, it goes in a more, uh, sort of funny comical way, but with a slight little bit of menace underneath it that, that I found really enjoyable. Um, but I, I will say that seeing so much black and white, we don't see so much. It was really, it was really jarring in a good way to see all the black and white. And, and it's kind of a role reversal that usually the black and white is in the past. And it's, it's, it, it's an interesting choice for the black and white to be the future in this show. Um, that, that, that I thought that was a really bold choice i love the setup i love that when they go out back and all the pretense are dropped um we see what jimmy's good at and we see him slip into what he's really good at in this episode first with marion then with jeff and that is to use his truth to tell a convincing story and to get somebody on the hook um, I was kind of reminded of Jimmy with the, you know, with the, with the old folks at the, at the rest home, you know, when he's working Marion and then he goes out back with Jeffy and Jeffy's clearly out of his depth. Uh, so I really enjoyed the setup uh, and it led to a great second half of the episode. Dan? Did either one of you guys call the phone number for the, uh, on the pet app? I didn't have time to do it, which is my bad because I love calling whenever whenever they mention a specific phone number on the show. You know, you got to call it. Did you t- did you give it a shot? Yeah, we I well, yeah we paused it and I called it right there. My parents were mortified because they thought I was calling an actual number, and then uh, <laughs> I played it on speakerphone. It was it was a pretty good voicemail. It went it went on fairly long too, as he uh, oh. Odenkirk describing uh, like you know his his relationship with the dog in great detail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to go back, um, check out the number and, and call that myself. I, I, I've been having fun doing that since pretty much since season one. Uh, yeah. you know. yeah, it's just nice how thorough they are too. Cause you know, when you, st- when you, like when I dialed it, it said like Omaha, Nebraska under the number, you know, as it rang and stuff. And very nice. It's pretty cool. So yeah, it was a, I, I, Brian pretty much covered it really well, but it was a enjoyable first half of the episode. And, uh, I, I definitely, it was nice seeing, uh, you know, Gene less, uh, less subdued and, you know, having a little more spring in his step as he was, uh, you know, taking right. action 
instead of just hiding. Right. I think that's I think that's incredibly significant here. Um, not as significant as Brian calling him, still calling him Jimmy. Bah, shame on <laughs> you, Brian. Um, <laughs> I caught that. It's like you know he's not Jimmy anymore. He hasn't been Jimmy in a long time. Definitely uh, channeling some Jimmy energy there. Well, that that's 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 an interesting point of debate. Of is it Jimmy energy or is it Saul energy? I think you're. I actually will say I think you guys are right. It's, it feels because we've been grown accustomed to it being Jimmy over the last five years, and this we've seen him do things like this. I wonder if in Gene's mind he's thinking of it more as channeling Saul. Remember everything he does. It seems to be wistful and and sad and for one remember remember his memory. We'll be watching videotapes. Or looking at, you know, gaudy clothes or whatever, or even inscribing, you know, on the wall when he was trapped in the garbage, uh, area a few seasons back. He never, like I said before, he doesn't write JM was here. He writes SG was here. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting that he keeps falling back to it being Saul that he misses rather than Jimmy. Yeah, I think he definitely kind of, you know, sees Saul as like the best version of himself, even though that doesn't necessarily uh, ring true with every single situation. But I did definitely, you know, it felt like, a, you know, more of a Jimmy caper than like something Saul will do. Saul was, you know, kind of more of like a, he was almost at some point where I, I don't know if, you know, if entitled is the word I'm looking for, but just like his actions would just be like more of a blunt instrument, you know, he would, you know, instead of like, you know, he would suggest setting somebody to Belize instead of like, you know, conning him in some way, you know, and just even in the various schemes in the show that Saul was involved with in some ways or, you know, certain ways, like 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 when they had Bill Baron to like con Bogdan, you know, that was Skyler's plan. That wasn't like a Saul thing. So I think he just kind of like, let you know, let the, that kind of uh, the con man uh, stuff kind of that skill atrophy a bit over the years. And this kind of feels hmm. like he's going back a little farther. I have to think about that. It's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it that way. Hmm. Interesting. That's cool. Um, first of all, f- f- my take getting Carol Burnett and we all had heard about this weeks ago. They, you know, they made no secret of it. Um, as far, it, it, as far as women are concerned alone, Carol Burnett is on the Mount Rushmore of television. I mean, she's right there, right, right in between like Lucille Ball and Mary Tyler Moore. It's Carol Burnett. So that's, she's a legitimate icon showing up on the show. And it was funny, Brian, that you were pointing out the fact that she was playing a character that's, you know, infirmed and has to use a scoot or whatever. But my counter to that is like, yeah, maybe she can't jump up and run around, but she's as vibrant and energetic and talkative as anyone has ever been on the show, period. Um, she's, I mean, her, her picking on the deli guy for giving her a quarter pound too much, not too little, too much of pastrami is perfect. By the way, I, the, the, I, you got, the, you can't just let this detail go by. The, the cheddar cheese I mentioned in the, in the, in the opening. <laughs> Schnauz Farms. So I love the little shout out to Thomas Schnauz on the cheese that she rejected. <laughs> I thought that was just a lovely little touch there. Um, as far as other things that happened throughout this, um, these the scenes, um, I like, I like little things that make, kind of made us, uh, our ears prick up for just for a second. Like the fact that the timer bell goes off sounds like Hector's bell. And then I, ha- I actually had a pause and stop for a second going, did, did Jimmy or Saul or either? I don't think they ever encountered Hector. Did he? I don't think he ever did. 
Yeah, I don't. I can't think of any time. I can't think of any time that would have happened. I mean, there's nothing. It's only because the fact that considering both shows, especially this one, but like there's never been a reason for those two characters to ever inhabit the same space. It was kind of like Mike not meeting Kim until just you know a couple you know a couple episodes ago after five and a half seasons or whatever. It just occurred to me like, oh, he 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 doesn't even know about Hector and the Bell. Um, Yeah. Well, because the audience like would react to that, but like he doesn't have any reaction to the like the bell sounding familiar. Right, so. right, absolutely. All, his only reaction is to get up and get that hot dish that maybe he put rice in, and we didn't know at that part of the episode if he poisoned it. Oh, there, there's a couple. There, there's there's another key moment uh, we're going to get to uh, pretty soon. Actually, we can get to it right now, quite frankly, uh, because I said we were going to take this all the way up to him bringing the Cinnabons, and as I said, um, I. Did did anyone have the momentary thought when he was bringing the Cinnabons to the security guards huh. later on? Like, did he is he poisoning the Cinnabons? We did because we didn't know, we had no idea what the plan was at this point. Yeah, I'm not poison. I, I wouldn't mean poisoning. I meant like drugging, like he was going to knock them yes. out or something. Is what I'm knocking talking. them out. I don't mean killing them. He, he he's not going to kill them. Have been there, so we could, have been, we could put some lack of this lack that have been there, so we could have a huge scene of a uh, you know Jerry taking a really loud, very long shit. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, J- J- Jerry, Jerry having a fart attack. Yes. Which, yeah. <laughs> all, all the Parks and Rec references, all of it. Yeah. So back to uh, Gene, because that's his name um, in this in this reality. I like the idea of him listening to the police scanner. I went back and checked and had not seen him do that before. I thought maybe he had. It's a very Mike Ehrmantraut kind of tactic, so I really kind of got a kick out of that. Um, and then, of course, I think it's significant. There's a lot of little significant things throughout this episode, obviously. Um, but when he goes to get his little hideaway stash and he puts on the pinky ring. The pinky ring, which is, you know, it's not just about memories. It's a totem. It's a totem of his former self. And you can, now we know from watching, you know, five and a half seasons, it, you can say it, one would say it represents the Jimmy side. Although he kept it on throughout while he was Saul. So maybe some people might have associated with Saul, but maybe it was Saul's way of holding on to, you know, that little piece of Jimmy with that, you know, ring on, on his pinky there. And that, uh, when, even though that's a callback just to him wearing that ring, um, as we're getting to him dropping off, no, except he doesn't drop them off. He actually, when he brings the Cinnabons, almost in rapid succession, we get references to almost all, or practically all the other gene scenes that we had seen that opened up all the other seasons. Everything from we see him taking out the garbage again, which is, we know that was back in season two, I believe. Um, there's a reference to he makes to his fainting that time, which is a, which is a reference to another one of the openings. When he t- encounters that first security guard who doesn't isn't too thrilled with him, we realize that's the guard that was uh, dealing with the shoplifter when he yelled "Get a lawyer!" at them, which is from another season opening. So I just thought it was interesting. I was like, oh, they're they're hitting like all the Gene high, you know, Gene's greatest hits for the last five seasons. Yeah. I've got Jamie's thoughts from the the, the episode too, so I can just tell you that uh, she was um, um, not she was kind of thrown for a second. It wasn't Don Harvey in it, uh, so so it wasn't quite like a satisfying moment of like you know re- the realization of that uh, 
Jean was doing some kind of a scheme uh, mm-hmm. on her, but she still thought it was mesmerizing. And the, the scene in the driveway reminded her, of, it just gave her Perry Mason vibes, and she really liked the scene. But like old school Perry Mason, the, you know, good old Raymond Burr not being like a monster uh, on uh, in a show. <laughs> So, Raymond and Burr is very, very good playing bad guys in several film noirs. So I'm more used to seeing Raymond Burr be a complete bastard than Perry Mason. Ah, uh, mixed person. I just think of Godzilla when I think of him. So funny. I, I want to. Yeah. I, I wanted to add something real quick. Sure, sure. Um, I, I think that throughout this episode, we see that Gene uh, is an amalgam of not just Jimmy and Saul, but all the people he interacted with. And I think you saying him watch listening to the police scanner reminds you of Mike going to his little box hidden in the closet. Didn't that sort of remind you of Mike? Yeah. And then in the driveway with Jeffy, um, you know, I mean, Walt and Jesse, Gene and Jeffy, you, you also see like some of a little Walter White in, take, in oh, him. Oh, oh I, you said it now, so I'll say I'll go along with it now because I was going to. It doesn't matter. Um, he adopts Walt things a few times in the episode. Yeah. There are, there are, there are very specific moments where it, it's, and I know there will be viewers and there'll be maybe, uh, maybe someone on this podcast, who knows who will want to default to it being a Mike thing. And I'll say, no, it's a Walt thing. He's doing, it's totally a Walt thing. He's doing, um, I mean, part of it's even, you know, one of the parts is actually very similar, even wording, to what Walt says um, about, you know, whether it be the only thing you can say it was more of a mic thing is to asking someone to repeat something back to him. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but everything else, it's, it's, it's not everything, but the other, the other key moment there, it's more of a Walt thing than, than a mic thing. Plus he's also managing a, f- a franchise restaurant, which is reminiscent of Gus. Not that he had a lot of uh, interaction with him. <laughs> Okay, that's true. Well, you know what? That's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wish we could find out is just like I, you know, after an episode like this, I mean, like I was, I was, I, I was going to go somewhere with my daughter today, which I did, and I was googling the different uh, as I, there was a few different options for where we would go today, and I was like, I looked to see if there's a Cinnabon at uh, some of them because like I really wanted a Cinnabon after this, so I wonder if like if like you know Cinnabons have like a you know. 12% sales boost after an episode like this, you know, if there's enough viewers or the show or just because I mean, like, even though I imagine, uh, you know, poor, poor Jerry must have ate like just tons of them. And, and I know like eating on TV shows is notoriously like not fun for the actors, but man, I wanted to sit up on after that. <laughs> I would say this episode alone was probably one of the best promotional tools that Cinnabon has had probably ever. Um, my only, <laughs> my only wish with Cinnabon is like, I, in my experience, and I'm sure if I went and Googled them, I could find a ton of them, but I always think, yeah, Cinnabons are always at the airport. I always think of that being an airport kind of a thing. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, you know, thinking of things mentioned, just uh, I wonder who in the writer's room thought, like, let's just mention Sammy Hagar. I, <laughs> I love that little flourish when he says, Sammy Hagar, the red rocker. Like, I, I, I mean, it, it's, it, it was surprising to think that Gene, Jimmy, Saul, whoever, like, what was aware of uh, Sammy Hagar enough to just, you know, throw out his nickname. I, I, it's a little interesting touch about the character. Oh, I, even though, unless it's mentioned somewhere down the road, uh, part of me felt that I wonder if, even though he's never been listed as having anything to do with the writing, 
I can't help but think, especially when it's something remotely comedic, you've got Bob Odenkirk there. Bob Odenkirk, who is one of the comedy writers of the last 35 years, and you're going to get a reference like like a Sammy Hagar thing kind of in there, whatever. You think Odenkirk doesn't have anything to do with any script writing here, even just a touch? I'm I'm going to say I'm I'm going to say he probably does, even if it's just a line. You don't waste, you know, that you know. Um, but who knows? Before we get into the rest of the episode, and it was funny because you just when you mentioned Jamie, it kind of made me go, "Oh, I need to." There's a major thing I need to touch on here. Something she kind of brought up. Kind of wish she was here for this, but she'll listen to it this week. I wanted to address a rather major question that many have had about the Gene storyline, or to be more accurate, the Gene timeline. Now, some like. Like the previous mentioned, Jamie have espoused theories that these scenes could possibly take place before Walter White returns to Albuquerque in the last episode of Breaking Bad. Now, just to remind everyone who has seen Breaking Bad, that timeline, the Breaking Bad timeline is September 2008 to September 2010, you know, from his 50th birthday to his 52nd birthday. Now, there have been some conflicting little details of information that kind of have popped up during the course of the Gene scenes throughout the last six seasons. Some of these details that eagle-eyed fans have caught and done their research on, you know, one was like someone once saw the image of the Cinnabon shift calendar. It was a little bit unclear, but it appeared it might be the spring of 2011 or the winter of 2013. I don't know how you confuse those two, but I didn't actually see that one myself, uh, so I couldn't be too sure about it. That same person also revised the estimation because of another detail he spotted at Cinnabon that involved the actual flavor releases, which would put it closer to July of 2014. From what I've been heard, what I read further on another article, that theory has pretty much been dismissed as just an unintentional thing that they didn't, just they didn't catch it. Now, some actually dug into details of this episode and noted that the details, I said details twice there, of that football game that Gene and Frank discuss is from an actual game, and there's, and they cite that that took place sometime around, sometime maybe around like October 19th or then about in 2010. Now, there's a problem I have with that theory. There's more than one, actually, but I, this is where I start to do the research. And no, not like the anti-vaxxers research, like real research. Um, I did the research and checked. Number one, there was no snowfall in Omaha, Nebraska in the month of October in 2010. It does snow sometimes in, in Nebraska in October. It absolutely does, but not in 2010. And if, yeah. and if you're going to go through this kind of trouble here, then you're not going to do that. But there's a much bigger thing that happened that we somehow missed or never mentioned uh, back in the beginning of season five. And that's the one that tells you when it all takes place. And shame, well, I'm, I'll say shame on me because I should have spotted it. I can't blame anybody else. In season five, when Gene takes his car and there's a, there's a part where he goes to change his license plate. And I, I literally watched this 15 minutes ago. He switches the license plate. Oh, here's a funny thing because Jamie's not here. To a Missouri license plate. That makes it even better. And there's a year on the license plate. It's right there in two different shots. One of them is extended as we see the car driving. It's got a little crust of snow and ice on it, but it's really clear. It's 2012. I even looked at the Missouri license plate from 2012. It's a match. So we 
There is a specific detail they have in there, and they didn't miss it because it's right, it's right dead center of the screen. Yeah, it's really noticeable. I, I, I noticed it during the last rewatch. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you did the rewatch, right. So, yeah. that to me, it goes without saying, that is a concrete, definite indication. What we're seeing is a minimum of two years after Breaking Bad. It could be even as many as three because of how we've moved forward in time. Who knows? But it's definitely, we're, we're definitely at least somewhere 2012 and beyond. So it couldn't take place, um, during, you know, Walt's trip from New Hampshire to, to New Mexico or, or anything like that. Or, nor would, nor would it make, Jesse could still show up years later, but it wouldn't be, you know, driving the El Camino or whatever he's driving at the end of the, of that, um, the little movie thing they did. All right. So let's pick up back with uh, the second half of the episode. I mean, because I don't know if there's anything else to comment on beyond that. Um, like I said, we had the setup. Now we have the caper, the methodical plotting of the caper, and which I just love that we were all trying to follow it just to try to figure out what's going on. Um, I also, I'm going to throw this in there before I, I throw it to you guys. I love the fact that it's Jeff and his friend, and his friend is, li- if you go to the credits, he's just listed as Jeff's friend. He's got multiple lines of dialogue. <laughs> he's just listed as Jeff's friend. On the, on the Insider podcast, they said his name was a Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> As in Jeff's Buddy, that would be perfect. That's perfect. Uh, so we, so let, let's just uh, dive into the rest of the episode, you know, and especially because there's some really nice key big moments and and what our takeaways from that and how we choose to interpret them, you know, whether it be. The, the the scene where he's trying to distract Frank at the security office to how he lays down the law later on in the episode to him lingering over some clothing towards the end. So like I said, a lot to talk about. Scams within scams, so on and so forth. Um, whoever would like to start it off, just uh, whoever starts talking first. There you go. I'll just say something short and then let Brian have it. But I, I just think it's kind of cool. Like, um, it's 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 interesting that they're just keeping that the, they they film this uh, all the cinema and stuff in the Cottonwood Mall in uh, Albuquerque, and of course it's a stand-in for a non-existent mall called the Cottonwood Mall in Omaha. But I just think it's kind of cool they just kept the name of it. I, I, I you know as I'm sure I said in the podcast a couple times that I went there and ate a Cinnabon once and awkwardly tried to take a couple of pictures without looking like I was because you know I'm not a jack jackass so. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> well, not jackass. I'm like, I'm not gonna like take your pictures of employees yeah, that are yeah, freaking. You're not. Yeah. That, you're not that kind but, of jackass. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but like that. The the whole Cinnabon scheme montage was just like, you know, like I, mean, I think I was probably just grinning at how much fun fun it was. So, Brian, you can go ahead and take it. Uh, I will say that that another jarring thing to me—that's my buzzword, I guess, of the night. Jarring. Um, was most of the action took place in a mall and the the relevance of malls has declined remarkably in uh, uh, american you know tradition that i mean it, yeah i mean like I, I when i was younger everybody went to the mall and now like kids don't go to the mall and uh, but but the mall scenes were you know kind of took me back to that time um, I, I enjoyed the stuff in the mall. I really enjoyed the way, and I think it popped in black and white, the way they shot all those monitors in the security station. Um, 
because you're you also are the way they shot it. You're also um, you know simpatico with Gene because you're watching the monitors too. You're looking at them and trying to see what's going on on them. Um, so I, I thought that was really uh, great visual to set up what was to come. So and, and I and I just have to say. Jim O'Hare, gosh, what a, I mean, that guy, if you want a lovable boob <laughs> in your show, he just, I mean, he, he killed it. He was great. And I did want to ask when he kept talking about his wife, I, I so badly wanted him to say her name was Gail. I so badly wanted that to happen. Uh, but, but I love the stuff and I also love how we see he does, Gene does like really detailed reconnaissance and we see he hasn't lost much of his game from creating a believable packing slip to knowing where the delivery comes in, you know, walking off, walking off the distances to set up that, you know, practice course that we see, you know, the muscle may not have been used, but it hasn't atrophied that much because there's a lot that, that he went in to, to pull this off and he still got it. Yeah, one of the re- revelations of this entire uh, episode for Gene, because um, when we last left off with him, he was, I think it was when he had made the phone call to um, what would have been the uh, the vacuum cleaner repairman, so to speak, um, and then he realizes he's just going to take care of it himself. Um, but from that point on, as we see from the very beginning of this episode, um, he's re-energized. You know, it's 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 almost. I mean, it's almost like putting on the ring. All of a sudden, is like it's like, oh wow, did he just become freaking the Green Lantern of of Nebraska here? Because suddenly, he's channeling what his skills have always been, and and that we haven't seen in any of the gene scenes before, because he's been, even though whatever you know, a few years have passed, he's still you know is trying to live as small and unnoticeable a life as possible. Um, but the way he responds to this potential threat with Jeff, um, you kind of, and, and I'll give them credit that they, they don't, they don't really play it where they could have went really obvious and make it clear that he's enjoying himself doing it. I don't know if I would say go that far, but it's kind of like the closest he's come, at least as far as we know, in the time he spent, um, in Nebraska where he looks back kind of mournfully or wistfully or whatever. And this is the closest he's come to almost, you know, reliving those days again, which makes you very curious about Cause we're, it's, I think it's pretty clear. We're going to get more gene before this, you know, this show comes to an end and we, there are the fact that he's changed a bit um, and has recaptured a bit of the Jimmy slash Saulness of of it all. Um, if that's going to lead to something else, um, we can't not. You know, one of the things we have to mention. Um, I'm glad you referred to it as a course because I had I, I, I had a hell of a time coming up with a phrase. I hope what you call it. Obviously, it's a it's a course. Um, I believe it's there where he invokes Walter White when he's trying when when um, Jeffy is going to bail out on the whole plan. 
And so, something along the lines of, you know, it's crazy, you know, a 50 year old chemistry teacher who's broke and, you know, then whatever, like a year later, he's got a pile of money <laughs> as big as a Volkswagen or something. Um, kind of leaving out all the drug stuff. But, um, but of course, if, if, if Jeff knows who he is and he, he, he clearly knows all about who Walter White is as well, because that was, you know, a national story. But I, I was being the, we're all Breaking Bad fans as well. It's kind of it was kind of fun to hear references like that again, kind of whetting our appetite for what we may or may not see at some point in one of these final three episodes. Yeah, I, I didn't get a lot of impression of him of uh, Gene like really enjoying enjoying it like while it was happening. I mean, he definitely took some satisfaction after the fact of everything passing on, uh, you know, working well and stuff but the rest of the time i just kind of saw it as like you know he was in survival mode doing whatever he had to do to get by and then yeah. at the end he had time to catch his breath a little bit you know reflect a little bit and then you know left the suit hanging there and walked away you know so well you know he every now and then some of his old you know stuff uh, you know it'll you know like it crept out when he yelled get a lawyer or you know that kind of stuff here but 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 in here I didn't really you know uh, you know he definitely was embodying uh, his earlier versions more with the spring in his step and stuff like that. But I never really uh, I didn't see a lot of him uh, you know take much satisfaction in it uh, until after the fact personally. Well, it's, there's a satisfaction of a job well done, and the satisfaction of, the, of dealing with a menace, and the satisfaction of being able to stand up to somebody as opposed to you know just running and hiding as he's been doing for the past few years. There's the fact that. He doesn't put, I mean, I know it's more symbolic if you, you know, obviously it's symbolic, but whatever. Um, the fact that he doesn't just put the clothing right back on the rack where it's supposed to be, where he leaves it, you know, it's kind of, it's almost like it's, le he's leaving it there as though, you know, he's going to come get that at another time. Not, maybe not really, but kind of, um, again, metaphorically or something by, by leaving it on the edge and draping the, the, the scar, uh, the tie over it and whatever. But, um, but you're, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, I don't, that, that that's what, that's one of the things I kind of liked. We didn't get, we didn't get like some, it would have been for a show that never does anything cheesy. If they, we had a moment where he was just like smirking to himself about it in this milieu, I would have had an issue with it. I don't mind when we see Jimmy do it at other times in, in, you know, in back in New Mexico it works here. I would have been like, it's like what you're saying. He's in survival mode. And if you're in survival mode, this is almost like channeling Mike, in fact. I mean, right. the, the craziness of the caper is very Jimmy, but the methodical way he's carrying things out, like, like you know, the measuring the distances for everything in the mall and everything, that, that to me felt very Mike. You know, the nuts and yeah. bolts of the plan felt very Mike to me. But yeah, you make a good point there, too. Like, him enjoying it just wouldn't feel right. Just like if Walt had, like, enjoyed, like, the machine gun working, machine gun trunk test working, you know? Like, he didn't really, you know, he just, it worked and he moved on, you know? But if, right. if he took time to, like, appreciate that it worked well, you know, I don't think that would have, uh, that would have uh, played quite right. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good thought there, yeah. I, I think the point you made earlier uh, was a good one, Scott, and that is, that whatever effect the success of the plan had, the, the immediate aftermath, we see him collapse against the wall where that's where all the cameras are in the mall. Mm -hmm. So he knows he can, he knows he can do that there because the camera can't see him there. Yeah. The blind spot, right? Uh, like he knows where the blind spots that that's a very Mike thing too. 
But the interesting thing will be because of this, we have to go back there to see what him pulling this off does. And I think that the suit on the rack is not going all the way back in as he hasn't totally hung this up. He has like, he he's not committed to going back to it and he's not sure, but he hasn't completely hung it back on the rack. And I, I think for that reason, we're going to have to spend more time to see what him pulling this off means. Yeah. I just feel that again, it's not, I don't want to be hackneyed here, but one can't help but think it's even if he's not, you know, in joy mode and, or, or what have you, it's still, you could say it's still what might've reignited or reawakened, you know, that part of him. Like you like you had mentioned earlier, those muscles still work. Yeah. He's, he, 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 right. He hasn't cut because there are a number. What's, what's fascinating about this. And it's, it's interesting. It's also, we're watching an episode that, He's on screen for almost every, practically every scene, except for when we're watching just Jeff run around. But it's really, he's, which is, which is actually a lot to say, because you don't usually, you don't usually get that. Um, how many different points that he has to either lay out the entire thing on his own, or he has to quickly think on his feet to come up with something? Um, never more so than when he's with, uh, Frank, the security guard. Whether it be the amazing way he's able to carry he, that initial conversation when they're talking about the football stuff, and he clearly doesn't know anything about what Frank is talking about. So, but he says all the right way, you know, kind of small talk ways to make it make it like you know what you're talking about, although you don't. And then you see him doing kind of like me trying to figure out when this takes place. Him doing putting the research in, so he actually knows all these different facts about the games and whatever, so he can have those conversations. Or when he's dealing with the woman um, who runs the department store. And, and because that's, that, that, that's a, that's a part of the plan that could go awry really easily, but he's able to do that. Not, he's not even doing it in person. Um, while he's in, while he's in the back room at the, the Cinnabon place, no less, you know, it just happens over and over. But I guess the one that people are going to focus on and maybe rightfully so is when he's trying to distract Frank from looking at the monitors and then he goes into that little spiel and, in a way, it's kind of a little bit reminiscent of what we've seen him do as Jimmy, where even in that episode with Kim, just a, just I guess just last week, Fun and Games, where he brought where he made the references to his brother and his relationship with Howard, and you realize he's actually, even though he's trying to um, get her off the track, but he's using he's 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 using the truth, and he's and he's you know reforming it as a way as as a weapon to use that. He kind of does that here as well. Everything he says is true. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's very, although the, the, the funny thing about everything he says is watching Frank's reaction to it. <laughs> Cause yeah. I love Frank's reaction to it. It's like, oh, I think oh, they, they were such good buds. And now I think from this point, I was like, Frank's going to be like, yeah, maybe, maybe not so much. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause you know, Frank probably just, wants to look away so he doesn't have to keep like you know look awkwardly looking at this guy and he just <laughs> he just keeps forcing him to look at him it's just it's it's, it's good stuff and well and by the way and and, and odin kirk as gene going doing that whole bit that droopy mustache only make only sells it that much better because <laughs> it's yeah. you know it's like it's like a sad caterpillar just sitting on his lap <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, the whole thing. Because I also like him referring to himself as a ghost and a shadow and all those kind of things. But but the gag, the fact you could have a, a scene that could have played heavy, but it never does play that heavy. And I love when Frank says everybody has bad days, and when Gene goes, "So you felt like this?" He's like, "Well, well, no, but <laughs> I'm sure some some people do." <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Oh, I need um, oh, I can't remember his name. I need I need Ron Swanson to walk in here and set things straight with him." <laughs> so. I, I, go on. One detail that one detail that both me and Jamie noticed. It's just another, you know, the attention to detail on the show is good. But his 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 Kansas City Royals like lunchbox thing. I'm just like, you know, like that's the right part of the country for to like that baseball team. I mean, yeah. you know, you, so it's just kind of, you know, I just I, I appreciate the show taking the time to just do that kind of stuff. Not that they haven't done that on both these shows forever, but the fact that they, you know, yeah, just never the ball is good. Right, it goes back to, and it's even a, you can even say it's a connecting, connect the dots thing to when we saw um, Kim wearing the Kansas City Royals shirt um, in a previous season, just to highlight the fact that she supposedly is from Nebraska to begin with, which is why everyone thinks she's going to show up at some point in Nebraska because it's Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, which is, that's not a bad theory just for that reason that she's from there. Doesn't, the, the bad theory is, oh, and they're going to be happily ever after. It's like, really? You, you, you're you're seeing that happening here? I don't think so. <laughs> but whatever. Um, the I, what I love about what I love about the whole caper thing, like I mentioned a few times earlier, is that as you're watching throughout the whole episode, um, initially you're trying to figure out, okay, what's the actual? What is it you're trying to pull off to begin with? And then we re- by the time we don't know what it is until we get to him having Jeff run the course, as you were saying. And then you realize, oh, now I get what the plan, I get what that plan is. And by the way, I, I, as you might imagine, I'm writing down all the silly things, you know? And I was like amazed when later on when you actually hear Jeff doing it, like, oh my God, this isn't just like four or five. It goes all the way up to 20. I'm like, you know, 12 luxury pumps to unshelve, you know, 20 Uggs look funny. I was like, oh my God, how much stuff is he stealing? Um, but it, it's, it's uh, once you realize you realize what the scheme is f- for Jeff's benefit, but of course we're we're going okay. But what's the scheme that he's really up to? Because obviously he wants to do something to keep him from ever you know trying to blackmail him ever again. And then once it all once it's all laid out, like oh, this makes perfect sense. And I thought of yeah. you, Brian, a little oh, oh, okay Dan, because of because oh, oh, he he breaks out the legalese too. Love that he does that here. I mean, he starts talking about all all the different potential charges and everything. Go on, guys. Yeah, and and that he intentionally sent him across the state line to rent the truck, just so that it would be a federal crime uh, and and involve federal jurisdiction. I love that because, like, I I see it's almost like all the all the ghosts and spirits inside of him of all the people, little bits and pieces are coming out. Uh, you know. Through him, that there's the lawyer part, there's the the con man part, there's the Walter White part, the Mike part, it, it and it's it's done so so wonderfully that I love 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 that 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 scene when he is laying down the law, and you know the interesting thing if if we want to reflect if he's learned anything, 
is that his plan is to take just a small amount enough that no one would notice mm-hmm. that that's how you get away with it. And Saul was always way more ambitious than taking just enough. Saul wanted more. Um, so I think if, if you, if you sort of think the way Dan and I do that, this is maybe more of a Jimmy scheme than a Saul scheme. Saul usually went bigger. Uh, I don't know that Saul would ever want to pull off a scheme where you take just enough that people don't notice. Um, there was some reserve and restraint in, in the plan here by Gene that, that I think may show a little wisdom. Hmm. Yeah. I, 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 oh, Dan, I'll let Dan, I'll let you talk first before I say, uh, yeah. before, before oh, I respond. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I, I was just going to say that, I mean, while there were, you know, those, there were those benefits for Gene, you know, his scheme to, you know, get Jeff Yoffman and stuff like that. But in reality, the entire scheme was just to make sure those Spanish mackerel got where they were supposed to go. So. <laughs> well, you know, stinky fish. Um, Again, I, I don't. I'm not. This isn't like other podcasts. Where I'm not. I'm not out. Not disagreeing with with you two guys. I. It's totally. I think your your view on it being uh, more of a Jimmy than a Saul thing is perfectly valid in terms of what we've seen leading up to this. Um, the way I would, pro- if, if I was gonna, if I was gonna flip my view and and, and step on your side of the line for that for that for that uh, debate, whatever. My thing was like, he's not going to go zero to he's not going to go zero to a hundred. From Gene to Saul would be zero to one hundred. Jimmy is to stop in between, so that that you know is is one of the gradients. I would take a little. I wouldn't necessarily say Saul would always be going for every. You know, he, Saul was the one who kept trying to you know put late, later on was trying to put a stop to uh, the the empire growing of Walt, whatever. Although at that point, it's because he's pretty much were scared for his life at that point as well. But um, I, I would say after what Saul had gone through, Saul needed to go through shit before he started, you know, wanting to take a smaller bite out of things. Um, but yeah, it's kind of hard to argue about the, <laughs> I can't really defend the excess, you know, there's no excesses to Saul, the guy with the golden toilet. No, I can't, no, not at all. Um, although he did, although he did maintain a really crappy looking you know office exterior whenever despite living in like you know Donald Trump's asshole or something um the the thing that uh, at the end of that scene when he's t- when we mentioned this already to some extent um when he wants them to repeat what he said to to, to, say, to say that they understand and when he kept doing that I was like okay there there's a mic that's a that's like, that's like you're like half Mike, half Walt right now, because that's something that Mike has done. But the but the but usually Mike's doing it to make sure everything you know you, people you understand. Like when he told them to, when, he, when he's talking to Kim and Jimmy after um, the, dealing with the uh, after Howard's murder and, and so on. Walt does it, and it's more of there's more of the threat that's involved with it as well. But of course here. Um, it's all about mutually assured destruction, which I, I kind of I like that. Um, but the funny thing was, like the one the thing I didn't expect was, oh, there's still Marion's still a factor here because that's I mean that could have been the end of the scene, and then we hear Marion and she you know they do a little routine where it looks like they're working on the car or whatever, and she still wants him to hang out whatever, and I and I kept thinking if 
if we have more gene, I think we're going to have more Marin. I think there's more to this. And I read somewhere that she was signed for more than one episode. So I think we, I, I don't think we're going to, I think we're going to get a Carol Burnett to show up again. Now, and if she's showing up again, that may, that leads me to think, well, something's going to go awry here. Something in this plan is not going to, is some, something's going to fall apart here. I'm just curious what it is. Um, and maybe the unexpected, but expected thing is maybe it's going to involve her somehow knowing something or, 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 or finding something out, which seems to be kind of likely. Cause I don't know how smart Jeff is, whatever. Yeah. Unless Jeff does like a bad job fencing the goods, stolen goods or something like that. Right. Like, yeah. Cause I wouldn't really, you know, I wasn't expecting to see her again just because, you know, he's just like, Hey Jeff, get the fuck away from me. I don't want to see you again. You fuck. But, <laughs> But, but you know, but I would not mind seeing Carol Burnett again. No. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they- and, and I will say that, that, that to just touch on something you said, Scott, he sort of uh, combines Walt and Mike in that scene with Jeffy because I was, in my mind, I heard Walt saying, don't come back for more. We're not friends. We're done. And I heard Mike saying, you know, do you understand? Say it. Say the words. Like, like that was... I saw sort of a, an amalgamation of both of them in in that scene, but I, and, and, but I have to give you know not particularly relevant other than for the amazing performance, but I have to give the line reading of the episode to Carol Burnett for Jeffy, don't vex me. I just thought that was <laughs> I thought that was a wonderful line, uh, and the, and her delivery of that line was you know in that moment you heard the mom talking to a little boy and not a grown man like you know stop and I, and I just thought that was wonderful. That is good. I forgot, I forgot all about that. Nice. And that I mean that that's I I feel that I mean I don't really have much more to say about it beyond that. If if either of you two feel free to pipe in now, but it was kind of. It, it was kind of nice to have an episode that just was like, you know, just one straight line through. I've missed Gene all this time, so I did not mind having an entire episode with him. I, I, I adored it. Uh, there's, I've noticed that in these last few episodes, you now you're getting the, there's still overwhelmingly positive reactions. The vast majority are positive. But then you get the occasional little detractors popping up. Not that we care. No one cares. But it's interesting. Yeah. But it's, you know what? It, you know what it is? It's all about when you get to the final run of any show and expectations get to such a point. And I mean, I'm, I'm not, like I said last time, I'm not, I'm not here to, to start, you know, slamming, you know, people for their opinions, you know, other than like, you know, what, what I keep bringing up with the Batman thing. Um, <laughs> look, I did it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. If I, if I, if I see those guys in person, I'm going to smack them both. Um, but all I would say to them and to everyone else, and I think we, we, we this is one thing we would all agree on, the show, much like Breaking Bad, it doesn't just, it, it's not about meeting expectations, it's about defying expectations. And everything they've been doing for the past, whatever it has been, at least these, since they came back for this final, these final six, if not even, um, just before that, is they keep, Changing the timeline from what we were expecting it to be, moving faster than we thought, but not so fast where it's like, oh, God, you're rushing this. And anyone who says that, it's like, well, then you haven't been launching. Like Kim leaving. We said that. It's like, well, 
this has been building f- throughout the entire show. This is I'm sorry, guys. This ain't this ain't this ain't you know season eight of Game of Thrones and what why is she why is she suddenly so crazy right now? This what, what's been going on with Kim has ma- makes perfect logical sense all the way up to that point, and we can say that about uh, any, any other number of the decisions that I believe that they've made so far. Um, I think there's just maybe. Some people are putting an expectation on the show that I think may not be entirely fair. Um, and maybe with having a few episodes where there were these really exciting, tense kind of, you know, situations like in point and shoot, like when Lalo shows up and kills Howard, whatever. Um, but that's not been the norm for this series over the course of five seasons. It's, you know, you know, bills are coming due, so to speak, and that's and that's you, you're having the dispatching of Nacho and what happened to Howard and then Lala, whatever. But that's not what this series has been about for its entire run. So you can, it's not, it it doesn't have, it's never been one that's been like ultra high intensity level from episode to episode the way Breaking Bad did for you know for a few seasons there. Um, and I think that's why some, there's, that's even why there's people who prefer the show to Breaking Bad because it's kind of, it's taken its time more. It's built its characters in, in such a way. It's more meditative at times, whatever. Um, you, you can't love the show for being that way and then be bothered by an episode like this, which, oh no, we only got four episodes or three episodes left and you're wasting time with filler. It's like, it's not filler. We've been waiting to see Gene for like three years now, two years, whatever it's been. Filler. By the way, I hate when people complain about shows and they call it filler. So it, it's the laziest negative comment one can make about something. Ooh, it's filler. Idiots. Right. Okay, I did call them idiots. Yeah, I've well. seen <laughs> mostly positive reactions, but our, our good friend David Gott did not really care for the episode. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not true. Is that true? He was mad on it. He just he felt that it didn't really add anything to the story, and we didn't learn anything new about uh, Saul, Gene, Jimmy, whoever. And, you know, it, it took me a little while to warm up to the episode. I mean, uh, you know, it, I had a, I had a bit of a slow start, and then I was hooked. But God did not get hooked, and was not a big fan. But he did think the mall stuff was was surprisingly accurate as a as a uh, <laughs> he, he, David God say uh, security guard at a mall, yeah, uh, he's... Alligator Springs Mall. And, Florida, so yeah, he, uh, he was able to remark about the uh, accuracy of that. But beyond that, he was not uh, particularly well, into I, it. Well, the Paul Blart movies are basically based on his life, from what I hear. So, poor <laughs> <Yeah>. God. <laughs> yes. Again, I, I, yeah, we're, we're knocking one of our few definite loyal listeners. <laughs> the only person who's emailed us, by the way, the only person. <laughs> So, since we're sort of putting a bow on the episode, I have two related questions. And the one of the final bits of dialogue was Marion saying, my boy had some tough times, fell in with a tough crowd in, in Albuquerque. You're a good influence. And that's sort of one of the last lines that I think feeds into your theory that this something is going to go awry, that maybe... Maybe, you know, Jeffy calls the people in Albuquerque to try to get rid of the goods or, you know, he gets a crazy idea to go try to get more out of Gene, whatever. I I think that plants the idea that, you know, Jeffy's going to do something and Marion's possibly collateral damage. So now that being said, the the two questions I have after watching this are this, and, and I really don't have an opinion. I think that's what 
their subversion of expectations has done in a really good way. Um, will we have, will the rest of the episodes be black and white? Number one, will we just see four more black and white episodes or three more black and white episodes and that be it. And my final question related to that is, do we ever see Saul Goodman again? I would say that if they, they didn't, for some reason, need to tell us all the actors are going to be on the show before they show up, if we didn't know that Cranston and Paul were going to be on the show, then it would be more possible that all the episodes would be uh, Gene future ones. But that's pretty much unlikely based on the fact that we just because we know the casting stuff, they aren't going to do that. So then, yes, we'll see Saul Goodman again based on the you know information that we have just because of production realities and the fact that we're aware of them. Um, your, for, for your first question, I more just saw the uh, the fact that um, Marion was saying that like he was a good influence on her son. It's just more of like a, a reminder that, you know, he isn't that Gene isn't, you know, isn't exactly a good guy. He just used this like, you know, woman to accomplish his schemes. And while she didn't uh, suffer badly, I just kind of took it as, you know, less foreboding, more just like, you know, OK, you know, he's maybe not the greatest person in the world, even if there wasn't. You know, the uh, unintended consequences have ha- not happened yet that we've seen happen around him so many times in the past. Right. Um, well, following up on what you just said, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing with either he's Jimmy or Saul or now Gene channeling Jimmy slash Saul, whatever, um, I've always maintained that, you know, none of the characters that people like or, or love, whatever, are quote unquote good people. But they're they're just they're all, they're all very they're they're all different grades and variations you know shades of gray blah 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 um, we we pick and choose who we prefer by um, either we either how sociopathic they may end up being or the level of whatever uh, evil that they've participated in or perpetrated or whatever um, that's why I always when people would shred on Walter White and seemingly gave other characters on Breaking Bad a complete pass i would always point out you know jesse's not the great guy you keep making him out to be you know he he, yeah there are really nice things about him his love for kids and whatever but he's actually done some really bad things or saul would be like saul's the one who keeps suggesting murdering people he's not joking he means it why are we giving him a pass and making like he's a good he's not it's because but because walter just went beyond the pale and, and whatever so yeah, I, uh, I I do kind of agree with that, and even and it works for Better Call Saul as well. Uh, to your questions, um, no, they, they the fact that they would even have gotten the okay and to do an entire episode in black and white in of itself is kind of a rarity in, in the world of television. Um, they, they they just wouldn't do it um, for. I'm not saying there won't be any more scenes in black and white. The more interest, well, I don't know if it's a more interesting question. The more intriguing question to me is. Will we ever see the, any of the gene scenes in color? That I think is is more be like the, the more the woe than the other way around. Will we get like that Wizard of Oz like moment? Someone, um, a fellow who has posted on our Facebook page, and he is a very, uh, from what I gather and when I've seen his writings and stuff before, um, very much of a he's a TV geek like us, definitely like me. Um, I think he's appeared on some other podcasts actually here and there. Um, and he had a, a whole thing about um, the use of color in both Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which I brought up on a previous podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he noticed something which I 
Uh, I will confess I neglected to run through the entire episode to find, but I think I did spot it. I, I saw that it was just a slight flash of it. It's a black and white episode, but there is a slight little tinting of color. If you if you're watching closely, they do use a little bit of yellow in a scene, and yet you, you can f- track down his video. His name is Sean Pink, and you can probably find it on YouTube. You're talking about um, uh, Better Call Saul and the use of color and what what yellow signifies and means, whatever. Um, he mentioned it. I went back. I did, and when I was speeding through it, I was actually looking for something else, and then all of a sudden I stopped and I went back and went, oh, I think. That must be what he's talking about. Oh, that's very interesting. It was, it's all, it's almost, it's borderline subliminal, but it's definitely there. Um, but I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't think we'll, we would get all, all black and white episodes. What was the second question? Cause that was, that was the, probably the more relevant one. What was it? Brian? Do, do we, do we ever actually see Saul again? Oh, um, we absolutely are going to see Saul again. Um, I can't, I can't imagine we'll have a show called Better Call Saul. And then we only get a couple minutes of actually legitimate Hayden being Saul. Although I know he was using the Saul Goodman name in throughout season five when he was with his legal practice, whatever, but he had not really adopted the identity completely himself where he basically lost Jimmy. So I, I do think there will be, I would be very shocked if we, if, if we don't head back there. I do, I still believe that that is how, and, and Dan is absolutely right for saying that. Um, if there had been some way to keep the inclusion at some point of Cranston and Paul on the show a secret, and they just realized there's no way they're going to be able to keep a lid on that. There's just, it's not going to be possible um, based on those actors and other, other projects are doing, it's going to get out. Um, if not for that, then maybe there might be some Cranston not thinking we would, but I'm, I'm telling you we're cro- we, we have reached the breaking bad timeline in this all thing. I think they, I, I feel they made that clear, um, in the previous episode with the public masturbation thing, which is just telling us, oh, we're right around the time where he's going to go see Badger and whatever. And I'm, my, my curiosity is, are we going to be recreating any moments that we've already seen in Breaking Bad? Or are we, or are we going to get different moments that we just never saw on screen? I'm, I'm, that's what I'm kind of curious about. Because there's still a mystery of how you're going, even if, even if that's them. And, and again, I know it's easier to probably make Cranston look the way he did then than Aaron Paul. But you know, if they, at this, in this day and age, you can put in a little bit of money. Maybe it's the final season, the final three episodes. Maybe, uh, the powers that be at AMC were willing to spend a little bit. I, I don't have, uh, Kevin Howard here to ask him about this because he would know. Um, maybe they might do a little CGI touch up just to make, just to make them look a little bit younger, perhaps. Um, well, I'm, cu- I'm very curious how they're going to pull that off as well. Um, did, did either one of you guys think that when he was fiddling around with the, uh, the suit at the end, that he might put it on a little bit and it turned a color for a second, like yeah. in the uh, season promo? Yeah, I did. I did. Absolutely. Yeah. I was really looking for it, but it did not quite happen, which makes sense if, if it's something that would probably happen in the series finale or closer, but I, that would have been. That would have been cool. It would have been like Gene in the amazing Technicolor uh, Saul Goodman suit or something. Huh. <laughs> Coat, whatever. You know what I mean. Um, did, did I did I answer? Did I cover everything you asked, Brian? Can yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, and I will note that unlike pretty much every previous episode, they have not, as of yet, unless they've done it in the last few hours, I haven't checked. 
I'm not going to check. Um, as of right now, they have not said what the title of the next episode is going to be, which I find interesting. They didn't because usually we know we already know what the next episode title has been. I've noticed that from week to week. All I know about the last three episodes, and I'm that's all I want. All I need to know the next episode. I, I believe the next three episodes, each one, the writer and the director are are, are, are one and the same. The next episode, I believe, is written and directed by Thomas Schnoz, you know, the guy with the cheese. <laughs> the penultimate episode was written and directed by Vince Gilligan. Oh, boy. And the final episode will actually will be written and directed by Peter Gould, um, who obviously is the co-creator. And it, I think we all know, and I mean, I don't listen. I haven't really had the chance to listen to the Better Call Saul Insider podcast for a long time. But I remember back in the day, it was clear that although Gilligan is very much involved in the show, I think it's, I would say the percentage wise, it's probably a bit more a Peter Gold show than a Vince Gilligan show between the two of them. But it's close. You know, we're talking like, you know, 55, 45% kind of a thing. But I think it's fitting that Gould is the one who's going to close it out as opposed to Gilligan this time. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's favorite sound. It's, my, it's little, you know. I, I mean, <laughs> if I only, if I do, I don't have my little fart box here. That then that would be my favorite sound right there. All right. Anyway, if you enjoy this podcast, guess what? You'll enjoy hanging out on our Facebook page as well. It's the Serious TV Drama Podcast page. Like the page and join the conversation about shows like Better Call Saul and so many others. Now you've already listened to us, so you know how to find us now. But what if you got to find us later or for someone else? You gotta send a link. You know what? Send them to places like Spotify, Amazon Music, um, Apple Podcasts. I don't know. Pretty much almost anywhere that podcasts are available, you can find us. Just freaking Google us. You'll find us that way. Whatever. You can email us. <laughs> I'm doing that first now. That's crazy. If for some reason you don't want to make a comment on our Facebook page and people stop private messaging me because then it's like no one knows that you know people are commenting on the podcast, just put it on the page. Um, but you can email us. The email address is stvdpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, follow us on Instagram. Uh, we go by Serious TV Drama as one word there. And our handle on Twitter is at stvdpodcast. That's stvd as in Serious TV Drama. All right, um, gentlemen, uh, I think we did a fine job without, especially without that woman in the house here. So. <laughs> yep. If I had my cricket box, I would play it right now. <laughs> That works. <laughs> it does, I know. You know what? I've been watching too much match game for the last few weeks. Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> isn't, match, isn't, isn't match game awesome? <laughs> I, I mean, I grew up watching it. I mean I mean this goes back to like the mid seventies, you know. But oh not an episode goes by where I'm just going, Wow, this uh, I'm I'm kind of loving it, but every once in a while, there's something just makes you kind of makes you cringe. And like, oh, oh. oh yeah, <laughs> it's just like you, know, you could just imagine, like you know, if Twitter existed in whatever year, that like they'd just be fucking, you know, the people that vote for the same people we do would be fucking going off about it. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, it's like in every episode, like, wait, <laughs> who's more lecherous, June Rayburn or Richard, or Richard Dawson? It's like, it's like. But you know what? Rayburn has a kind of a lizardy look to him, so he, it's kind of worse with him. When he actually pulls out the little little spray thing to, before he kisses somebody, I was like going, "Oh, make it stop! Just just 
stop, stop it now. All right. <laughs> I forgot to mention that I only have three episodes left for me to see Bill Burr on uh, Better Call Saul. So I guess that will probably be the uh, defining factor as to if I like this show better than uh, Breaking Bad or not. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll hang it on that maybe. Oh, I think there was a mo- there was like a moment in this episode. Was it the cor- maybe when they were running the chorus? Maybe for like a hot second, I thought that Bill Burr was going to show up, and in my head, I was like, that doesn't even make any sense that he would show up at this point. <laughs> but there was a moment because I, I, I'm I'm with you. Like you think he would? That's like one of those unresolved characters from Breaking Bad. You know, he should pop up again. I'm very curious. Absolutely. Yes, but he's busy. He's busy watching his uh, crappy Boston Red Sox lose. So screw him. Anyway, <laughs> don't get cocky. Not ga- hey, I'm not getting cocky about my team. I'm just, but I've 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 read so much crap from Red Sox fans over the last year, especially that one big professional troll dude. And unless things changed tonight, I believe they lost and the Orioles won, which means the Red Sox are in last place. Yeah, that is a bummer. And considering all all three people on this podcast right now, all of our teams are leading their divisions. Just one of them is leading their division. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Wow. Brian, Brian to... gave up one weekend of the season, so it's okay to give him mild shit about it. But but Joey Votto's fun, so don't worry about it. Yeah, he's fun. I like Joey Votto. Wish I had he's Joey. a good dude. I really like Joey Votto. Anyway. All right. Let me uh, let me let me bring it close to this because we we were doing so beautifully on time. So let me let me stop before I drag this out any further. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining me, and we will be back next week. Uh, I believe I believe Jamie will be back as well as her message to me indicated. So it should be all four of us, unless someone else gets um, I don't know sick with the COVID or something. Uh, but we'll see you next week. Next week we'll get to the heart of the matters in Omaha, somewhere in the middle of America. Good night. Wisconsin has the Wisconsin has the best cheese. Good night. You know that's the one question I didn't ask. Like, do you think we go back to Gene again next week or not? That's I don't know if we do. I don't think we do. You think the teaser kind of or the the end of the the end of the episode thing kind of indicated that as a distinct possibility, but we will see. Hmm. That this, you know, that whatever, shot, whatever black and white shot of some kind of intersection crossroads thing there. Yeah. But that could, intersection into the car. Yeah. I'm gonna say, I'm okay. I want to. I, I, I was batting 500 going into this episode. Maybe I'll bat 500 again. I'm gonna say that's not him. I'm gonna say that's Kim. I'm gonna say that's Kim in the car, and she's at the crossroads. That'd be interesting. If, Ignore the fact that it's shot in black and white. That doesn't mean that means that because they were showing us all those shots of different locations, you know, in black and white with, with these little promos. That means nothing. I, I think it's. I think because I'm I'm of the mind. There's no way we don't see Kim Wexler on this show again. I, you know, there, there could be an entire entire episode that just fills in like several years of Kim. Like bring you know they could do an entire you know the ah. other four days of Kim just 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 that. That'd be fucking great. That is a fantastic idea. And by the way, if that ends up happening, I'm gonna fucking throttle you. That you all right? So you began Better Call Saul by calling you know what's his face gonna die. In a fire, then then it's then then you end better call Saul by predicting that I'll kill you. I'll be very impressed. I'll be very happy for you. All right, let me see. That was worth extending the podcast because that was that was content. 
important, not not just idiotic rambling that I do. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Mm-hmm.